And this is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, the others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and then after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind on, not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I want to start the sermon today with a quick poll. How many of you read the terms and conditions before you click yes on accepting the terms and conditions? Go ahead. How many of you read it? Sometimes. That's good. So, so Joel does. Okay, so I have another question back here then. How many of you just lied to your pastor? Oh, okay, good. So we have one. None of us really read the terms and conditions, if I'm being honest. A, a recent poll by Deloitte uh, surveyed 2,000 American consumers. 91% of them admitted to have never having read terms and conditions before agreeing. And the number goes up to 97% for people under the age of 38. So there you have it. None of us do it. And I think part of it is the language sometimes is quite confusing. Sometimes it's just too darn much to read. And certainly, at this point, if I'm being honest, what's the worst they're going to do right? They're going to take my information and give it to a third party so they can advertise to me things I don't need but will invariably buy. Right? There's worse things in life. I'm willing to accept those conditions, certainly. But there was another study done that I think is even better, and this one was done by York University of Toronto. And their approach was a little bit different. They wanted to see how far they could push these terms and conditions. So they created a new fake social media platform called NameDrop. And with it, of course, came these terms and conditions. And the terms and conditions included giving up your firstborn child if you should ever owe any money to NameDrop, as well as saying all information that you put out there is immediately sent to the NSA for government review and bookkeeping. You want to know how many people agreed to those terms? 98% of them agreed to those terms. Holy moly, do we have a problem, right? And here's the problem. We are very apt sometimes 
to agree to something with not fully understanding what it is that we are agreeing to. That is the issue, and it is certainly the case in our gospel here today. Jesus wants to know the latest scuttlebutt. He wants to know the latest gospel. What are people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? And they said, oh, well, some people say you're Elijah, some one of the unnamed lesser prophets. Maybe you're John the Baptist. And Jesus says, oh, that's great. That's great. But who do you say that I am? And Jesus asked that question very intentionally because these guys can't hide behind what others are saying. They can't blame others for being wrong. They have to speak from their own experience. And Peter is moved by the Spirit, and he stands up. And in a watershed moment in the gospel, the first time a person says these words, you are the Messiah. Ding, 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 we have ourselves a winner. And things go real bad, real fast from there. It is downhill from there because Jesus then goes on to say, yes, you're right. Let me explain for you the terms and conditions of being the Messiah at this moment. I'm going to undergo suffering at the hands of many. Then I'm going to die. Then I'm going to raise again from the dead three days later. Now, based on Peter's experience, right, he's seen some amazing things. He's seen Jesus' wisdom, his compassion, and his power. So what Jesus just described does not mesh too well with that experience. Not with that experience he has, but also the hope he has for a political liberator who's going to restore the children of Israel to their rightful place as God's chosen people. And so Peter turns and gives it a hard pass. He goes, nope. I didn't agree to that. That is not the Messiah I want. Which then leads to this back and forth exchange of rebukes and perhaps one of the harshest things Jesus says throughout all of Scripture, looking at Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for your heart is not set on things that are divine, but instead you are stuck on human things. And this, you see, begins the laying out of the terms and conditions for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The terms and conditions for being a disciple begin with getting behind God. Begin with getting behind what it is that God is up to through Jesus himself. Divine ways. Now, I gotta say, I too want a Messiah very much like that which Peter wants as well. A Messiah who vanquishes all suffering from the entirety of the world. But instead, God gives us something a bit different. A God who is present in the midst of all suffering, who is anointed as Messiah through the suffering of the cross. Because the truth of the matter is, we have Jesus in our lives, and yet we also know the pain of suffering as well. And this weekend is a sobering reminder of what that can look like. Believe it or not, it has been 20 years since September 11th and the attacks on our country occurred. And you see, it's interesting because what we've done is rather than put it behind us, instead we're remembering. That phrase, never forget. We look back because sometimes it's important to remember that pain and to honor those who continue to suffer. So this weekend, we've seen all kinds of remembrances. 
Maybe it's in the form of prayer. Maybe it's reading names aloud or tolling bells, or maybe it's moments of extended silence. But even in those moments of remembrance, even then, we know we're not alone. Because like Isaiah reminds us this morning, we have prophets and we have a Messiah who are able to speak words to sustain the weary. And maybe that word this weekend is peace. Or maybe the word is love. Maybe the word is remembrance. Or, or maybe the word is acknowledgement. Certainly, Jesus acknowledges today that the cost of discipleship is a steep one because he informs Peter and the rest that they too will be picking up their cross and bearing it. And I acknowledge that as someone who has clicked yes in baptism to accepting these terms and conditions of, of discipleship, sometimes like to look for any way out of that agreement any way possible to avoid it, to wiggle out of it. Because I see what a big ask it is. I recognize that Christ's radical love doesn't always reflect the love that I may not always have for others. And so what do I do? I do what Jesus tells me. I pick up my cross. I just pick up the littlest cross I can find. I get a little baby pocket-sized one because he didn't say how big the cross had to be. But that's the good news. Jesus' cross was big enough to save the entire world, to provide grace and love and hope and rest for the entirety of creation. And the truth of the matter is, those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose my life, their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. And this is hard. Because the truth of the matter is, I want safety, and that's not what Jesus is promising, but he's promising something bigger. He's promising us salvation. And that's, that, you see, is what we really need in our lives. Today is a wonderful day. Today, we are welcoming new members into the body of Christ here at St. Paul, and with it, we will have a liturgy that contains in it some of the terms and conditions of that membership. And there's this little part that I love the most. There's a little part in the liturgy where we tell the, po the folks who are new to our community that we will inevitably be disappointing you at some point in your time here at our congregation because disappointment is a part of being community. It's a part of being human. But while we inform them politely we're going to disappoint, we also invite them to stick around, to listen, and to be present for the mending, because the holy thing about being church is just that, the forgiveness, the life that comes after that, the dying and the rising together. Discipleship today, you see, for Peter, and the good news that he has to share and is called to share, comes back to the news that, yes, although Jesus dies, he will rise again, and so will we. And so, while we are bound to Christ in this commitment to the cross, we also have Christ's boundless love to share with the world. So thanks be to God for all of you who share that love here and to the world around us. Amen.